going to try to teach you for an hour then we're going to see if we're going to pray for 30 minutes we ask the Lord to help us to know him more thank you father just lift up your hands to the heavens and just begin to bless the Lord and give him praise just wave those hands to the Lord Jesus Christ and begin to give him some praise some glory and honor adore his holy name oh Jesus you are worthy of my praise you are my joy Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you so much. 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 I love you. You are everything to me, Jesus. I love you more than anything, Jesus. I love you more than ministry. I love you more than my assignment. I love you. I love you more than my work as a pastor. I love you. I love you so much. I love you. Mm. Thank you. May your name be glorified in this meeting, Lord. Rain down revelation in our lives. Help us to know you and walk with you. Thank you for making us your righteousness in Christ Jesus. For all our sins are forgiven. We acknowledge the reality of your finished work in our lives. Thank you, Father, for redemption. Thank you that we stand before you blameless. And thank you, Lord, that in that, in that reality, we will walk with you to bring you glory. We give you praise that today your word fills our lives and brings direction and clarity to us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, please be seated. I uh, sense anointing so strongly. And, um, um, I always want I always struggle because I have to hold myself consistently to be able to Pastor Gideon you're welcome uh, this is Pastor Gideon um, a very wonderful man of God it's good to see you thank you so much wow I'm excited I'm excited I'm excited so quickly because of time I'm going to try to finish um um, quantifying spirituality today so we can continue with something else the Lord is leading us from next week. Is that okay? Now, I read the book of Luke chapter 12. Uh, I can't stop reminding every Christian to understand that real wealth is wealth before God. And when you read Luke chapter 12, starting from um, the verse 50, Jesus makes a very profound statement uh, and he said unto them take heed 
and watch that and beware of covetousness now when jesus is talking you need to be very careful when jesus is talking you need to be very careful he says take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things which he possesses so jesus is warning us about the desire for possession against his possession of us then he goes on to give a parable to solidify this statement he just made then he spoke a parable then he said the ground of a certain rich man not that word rich man that means this man was wealthy in goods brought forth plentiful and the bible says and he thought within himself saying what shall i do because i notice the first i i have no room where to bestow my fruits and he said this i will do how many eyes there so count them too i will pull down my bars how many and build greater and there i bestow all my fruits and my goods and i will say to my soul so thou hast much goods laid up for many years take thine ease eat drink and make merry but god said to him thou what fool look at god's description now what he said was it sinful i have my money i said i'll expand my house i will eat i will drink and rejoice and enjoy my wealth now to us is it anything wrong yet god called him a fool you see we need to understand that what god sees and what men see are, are not the same if we don't learn to value and see things from god's perspective we will live in self-deception because man can appraise you man can applaud you whilst whilst god is frowning at you the bible says what god what men see as highly estimable is highly detestable before god are you following this so now god called this man a fool then he said this night thy soul shall be required of thee then who shall those things which thou hast provided be wow wow now the whole thing is in the verse 21 which every child of god must take serious if this scripture convicts you that means you are not okay it's not fine all is not well the bible says in the verse 21 so is he that what layed up treasure for himself and is not reach towards god now you need to get this god does not have a problem with you making riches or making money god has a problem when money begins to make you he's saying that so is he that lay up, laid up treasure for himself so there's no problem with laying up treasure and is not rich towards god so it is the quantity by comparison or is the quantum effect of both things because both money and god are gods so god is saying that there's nothing wrong with you becoming rich but when that riches is at the expense 
or that riches is cheating your spiritual wealth there is a problem so he goes on to tell us in 3 John 2 that beloved I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even or according to the proportion of your soul prosperity listen I don't care how much money you have or you are making if your relationship with God is not rich you are poor Thank you, Holy Spirit. So is he that laid up treasure for himself. And it's not to reach towards God. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, the verse 1, give that to me in NLT version. Paul predicted by prophetic intuition that in the last days, difficult, perilous times were going to come and he says that in this you shall know or you should know this Timothy that in the last days there will be very difficult times and look at the difficult times he says for people who what love only themselves now all these things I'm going to mention there if your life is being convicted by them please do something about it you have to strive to leave that area he says they will love themselves check it Many Christians love themselves. That's why they come fast. They are so self-conscious. Everything is about them. And he's saying that people will love only themselves and their money. He says they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Make sure you are not found here. If you're ungrateful, it's not good. If you are disobedient, disrespectful to parents, it's not good. And he says they will consider nothing sacred. That's why we have people who can wash up and laugh with people whilst God is talking to them in church. They don't have any consideration for things that are sacred. That's why a pastor can sleep with a church member on the altar when nobody's around or in his office sacred things are not sacred anymore Paul prophesied it look at the next verse he says that they will be what unloving and unforgiving if you are living in unforgiveness this verse is to you if you don't love people this verse is for you he says they will slander others they will say evil things about people they have not known or they have not heard he says and they will slander others and have no self control they will be cruel and hate what is good. Look at the next verse. He says they will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride. And love what? Pleasure rather than God. Look at the next verse. He says that they will what? This is where I'm teaching on they will act what religious but what they will reject the power that could make them godly stay away from people like that now give that to me in kjv so you understand what he say i know this that verse is very popular kjv says having a form of what godliness that word form there in greek means a resemblance 
it means an appearance it means a semblance so he says having an appearance a form a resemblance of godliness but what denying the power thereof and many christians are here to have a form of godliness means that you behave as if you were christian you talk like a christian you pray like how christians pray but the real power that produces life for christianity at work in every christian is not operating in you so outwardly people think you are wonderful but you are rotting on the inside i put some words here i said you can have a form of godliness yet very powerless in christian life and many don't know this godliness must be exercised deliberately and intentionally this is what i'm building my message from godliness must be what exercised intentionally and deliberately you don't wish to be godly you don't desire to be godly you don't dream to be godly you work at it I put some notes down for my study in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 4. It was on one of it's on the NLT study Bible. And this is what he said about those who love pleasure rather than God. Now, I'm just going to read it, okay? Now, he said something here. Why is it so tempting to love pleasure rather than God? Listen to what he said. He says, pleasure is something we can control. That means you can control the level of pleasure you can enjoy. Then he goes on to say, God cannot be controlled. Most pleasures can be obtained easily. But love for God requires effort and sometimes sacrifice have you realized that there's a certain pleasure you can just adapt to it in just a day but when it comes to loving God because there's a comparison anyone who loves pleasure cannot love God you can't do both at the same time so check it anytime your appetite your love for pleasure begins to increase your love and your appetite for God begins to decrease it's an equation and anytime your love and your appetite for God is increasing your appetite and your love for pleasure also begins to decrease you can't do both at the same time now so if you're a christian who is trying to love god while loving pleasure you are living in a mirage you are confessing an impossibility it can't happen so he goes on to tell us that loving god requires what effort and what sacrifice which means that if there is no effort if there is no sacrifice involved in your quest to love god it can never materialize. I love what he continues to say here. Hold on. Are you ready for it? Ready? He says, love, he says, pleasure benefits us now. This is too good. You've got to put that. Now, anytime you're here, make sure you're making notes. You can't be listening to me. Make some notes down. Now watch. He says that pleasure, sorry, 
pleasure benefits us now. Write that down. You writing that down? All right. But the benefits of loving God are often in the future. <laughs> pleasure profits us now. But the benefits of loving God are often in the future. So that is why a lot of people are confused. Why don't I enjoy chill now? Mess up myself now. Because it's nice. When you are serving God, it keeps long. He's saying the benefits of loving God may take time, but it takes root. Now, look at what he goes on to say. He says, ah, this is good. Pleasure has a narcotic effect. You know, when you take drugs, huh? what drugs does to you is what pleasure does to you. Mm. Check somebody who takes cocaine or weed consistently. The narcotic effect is that the drugs takes over his mind, takes over his decisions, his will, and his work. Are you following that? So he's saying pleasure has what a narcotic effect taking our minds of ourselves and our problems and of God so you realize that anytime somebody has a problem or an issue or is sad and he takes some weed he becomes high but that high is very temporary he loses himself he, he loses consciousness of, him, of himself right he's telling us that's the same effect pleasure does for us and it is very temporal but hear this our love for God reminds us of our needs and our responsibilities towards him So, pleasure has a narcotic effect on the one who engages it. It affects your mind and everything. So, what happens when a believer is living in constant pleasure? What happens is that it begins to take his mind and heart away from God. Listen. The three major areas where pleasure can be traced is in eating, drinking, and merrymaking. So, pleasure is rooted in eating, drinking, and merrymaking. So when somebody is misusing money, it's for one of these things. For eating, for drinking, and for merrymaking. All this chilling is in merrymaking. Party is in merrymaking. God doesn't have a problem with you eating, with drinking, and making merry. He has a problem when these things control your life in abundance. Because those things are the very things that draw your, your heart away from God. So he warned Israel that when you have eaten and you are full, you don't easily forget. <laughs> so 
Pleasure has a very skillful way of bringing you forgetfulness of your God. So, you need to be careful about things that makes you happy temporarily. Your phone is one. That's why social media can be a form of pleasure. TV makes is, is under merrymaking. So someone says, man of God, me, I don't fall under the category of pleasure because I don't go for party. It's not party. Party can be one of them. When I say party, I'm not saying don't go for I'm saying that any meeting that brings over indulgence, it numbs your sensitivity of God. Am I helping somebody? Now look. He says, pleasure conspires with pride, making us feel good when we look good in the eyes of others. But loving God means we must lay aside our pride and accomplishments. That's deep. I just decided to read that for you. Then we continue. <laughs> Put this down before we go into the main message. Real pleasure is found in God. But it comes at a cost. Real pleasure is found in God. <laughs> I'm sure you are, you are wondering, hey, is there pleasure in God? When we are in God, we don't chill. There is a higher chilling eh, than that Banku and Tilapia. There's a, tell someone there is a higher chilling. I will show it to you. Listen, pleasure is found in God. You can chill in God in a way you have never experienced before. You see that in the book of Psalm 16, you realize that real pleasure, true pleasure is found in God. The only thing is that it comes at a cost. In Psalm 16, the verse 11, you're going to realize this thing. So, anybody chasing pleasure outside of God is marching himself out of God's will. Look, he says, Thou will show me the what? The path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are what? Pleasures forever. Worldly pleasure is temporal, godly pleasure is forever. And it is at the right hand of God. So that is where pleasure is found. In fact, not just pleasure, pleasures. So hear me. Every pleasure outside of God is fake. It will only temporarily daze you, make you happy, make you feel good about yourself. After, its results are only temporal. They are destructive. But when you find your ultimate pleasure in God, in loving God, in serving God, in staying with God, the price involved for enjoying that pleasure may cost you in the now. But the benefits are incomparable. The people who some years ago were calling us crazy and laughing at us, where are they today? Nowhere to be found. Tell somebody real pleasure is found in God. So listen, don't let anybody make you feel that joy is in what you watch or what you see. No, it's in God. So don't have a form of godliness 
And we meet, you pray, and everybody feels like, hey, Charlie, you are a general. Meanwhile, in your private closet, there's no power in your Christian life. On account of that, last week we, we built a very important block. We spoke of you will know, we spoke of how you will know you are making spiritual progress, right? Right? Good. So we said number one, can somebody help us in the mouth? How you will know you are making spiritual progress as a child of God. Number one is what? By your consistency in maintaining spiritual disciplines. It is very hard to take Bible to read. It is hard to pray. But, you see, so for you to maintain a consistent prayer life, that means you have to fight something. Anybody you hear today who has, who has kept a rigid regime of prayer sessions in his walk with God, he had to fight something. <laughs> he had to fight something. He had to fight sleep. He had to fight, fight over indulgence of eating. He had to sacrifice something. He had to discipline himself something. So you will know you are making spiritual progress by what? The consistency of spiritual disciplines. Because it's an indication that you are fighting something. Number two, we said you will know you are making spiritual progress by how much your words, your thoughts, and your actions are what? Aligning to the nature and character of Jesus Christ. You know it. Listen, when something is transforming about your life, sometimes you can know it. Because you know that, no, this is not me. This is not the Isaac Lapapu two years ago. Quickly, number three, you will know you are making spiritual progress by how yielded or spirit-controlled you are. I told you last week that there are two groups of believers. Spirit-controlled believers and self-controlled believers or flesh-controlled believers. We are all not saved. Spirit-controlled believers are spirit-filled believers because you cannot be controlled by the spirit when you are not filled constantly with the spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, the verse 18, he says, Do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess or debauchery, but be filled. That word filled there is be ever filled. It's a continuous process. So you receive the Holy Ghost in one day, you must be filled constantly with that spirit every day. Which means the, the, the pressing of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit are not the same. One is instant, the other is constant. So he says, Be filled with the Spirit. And how are you filled with the Spirit? He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That means speaking is number one. Singing, number two. And making melody in your heart to the Lord. Then he says that, giving thanks always. Can you realize that thanksgiving is how you get full? I said to the church the other time, being thankful is how you make your spiritual thankful. So, by these spiritual activities, they help to position your heart in a place where it is yielded for the Holy Ghost to temper with your life. Have you realized how many times you disobey the Holy Ghost when He gives you promptings? Have you realized? He gives you a lot of promptings. He tells you, don't do this. Don't go here. Don't say it. Don't retaliate. 
No, don't rise up. You won't know. You want to explain yourself. He says, No, keep quiet. I'll fight for you. And you just keep disobeying him. It's a sign you are not yielded. Mm-mm. And one thing about the Holy Ghost is that he doesn't force himself. So by your yieldedness, you know you are making progress. How easy, how you are you are easy to obey God. How easy it is to obey God in your life. Hmm. Yesterday, we had to go and visit someone. I was telling the church during the first service. And when we're going, this person decided to honor me for the 40 days journey. He said he wanted to tap some grace. As if you're tapping grace, I know he's around. Maybe you want to tap grace with maybe a thousand Ghana cities or something. And it was not so. It was 40,000 Ghana cities. This one is not check for me to check somewhere. This is fiscal cash. I sat in the car. My wife was at the back seat. I said, baby, look at what Jesus has done. It's not safe to walk with God. Now. Huh. I didn't drive two minutes. The first one, I looked, I said, baby, thank God. Though. The second time was bad news. I was holding the steer. The Lord says, it is for my building project. You and your wife should kneel down here after second service and put that money in the bowl for the building project. I didn't struggle because I've passed that level now. When, I, when God is talking, I know. I turn, I say, baby. And my wife, now she expects anything. She expects anything because she has seen wonders. I said, baby. I said, what? Are you going to be fine what I'm going to tell you? She already knew. I said, God said we should give it a sacrifice for the building project. And she said, okay. Hey! Now, in the now, it will look foolish. You have lost. You have put everything. This morning, do you know what he can do? And do you have the need? Sometimes God will wait. When you have a need, then he'll speak. When God told me not to take honorarium for mini church, eh? the first three months was a time I was financially trapped. So the temptation was high. There was one time I told a man of God that I'm not taking honorarium. He forgot and they put the honorarium in the hamper. So that means that honorarium came home. So I can nicely say that <laughs> I didn't ask it. I called Sack. I said, Sack, I'm adding money to it. Go and send it back to the man of God. And he sent the money back. And that was a test. God deliberately made them put the money to see whether this guy is doing this thing willingly. And you see, many of us have failed that test. And hear me, until your next until you have obeyed your previous obedience, expect no obedience, expect no instructions. So people don't know that the more you obey, the more promotions you have in the spirit. 
listen, working with God will require yieldedness. I am telling you, it is painful when you have to apologize when you have not committed a crime. And the Holy Ghost says, you go and say sorry. You go and make things up. It is painful. But that's the way. It's a sign you are making progress. <laughs> you don't know this. It's a sign you are making progress. I'm teaching Guriel. Remember the, the, the account of Jacob, right? He, he wrestled with God. By the time he was leaving, his joint was dislocated, which affected his walk. He was walking like this. Yet the Bible says he prevailed. How can somebody who lived, but that's how he won. Many don't know that it is when God defeats us that we win. When I had to obey to bring this money to church, it was God who defeated me, but that is how I win in my walk with him. That's what the Bible says, whoever loves his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. Listen, in this kingdom, we only gain by losing. I have tried it. That's it. When God sees you have sacrificed a movie for prayer, for your Bible reading. Oh, at that time you were supposed to enjoy a certain joy in watching that movie, but you lost it. That's how you gain so hear me, if you are that Christian that wants to lose nothing for the account of your consistency with God and your work with him, trust me, you will serve God for a long time with no testimony. He left limping, yet he had a new name. He left with pain, yet his name was no longer Joseph. Jacob, his name was what? Israel, prince of power with God. So where is your scar in your service of God for the past five years of being a Christian? Where is your scar? Where is your pain? Where is your dislocation? When you serve God, he will dislocate something from your life. Yes. There are some of you who make you delete every movie on your laptop. It's painful because Okombe talk. But in the operations he's doing with you, he wants to deal with certain attitudes in you. And that's the only way. That's the only way. So we have made Christianity look so simple, so cheap. So someone says, I've been, I've been serving God for years. I don't know why I'm struggling. The struggle is in what I'm teaching you. So we come and prophesy to people that everything is going to be fine. In the next two months, God is about to uplift you. We thank God for those prophetic words. But if there's no alignment, some things can't come into your hands. On Monday, we had Apostle Donko speak to one man. And he said to him, God wants to put something in your hands, but you don't have the spiritual capacity to receive it. And I realized that this thing we are teaching is true. God wants to put something tangible into your hands. But the capacity to bear the weight is not there. So, if God is not entrusting you, it's because he has not trusted you yet. He hasn't. So, as a man of God, it's my heart desire to be a kingdom supporter. Obesha supporters are. And you will never be that kingdom supporter. Obesha supporter, but you will never be a kingdom supporter. I want to be a kingdom supporter. I, I, lo- I want to build churches for God. So what, what have you done so far? 
to prove that that is your desire to build churches. Which church have you bought cement into? Which church have you bought cement into? You kingdom supporter. You don't know this thing. You are waiting to get money. That's not faith. Some of you are wishing things. Things that are bigger than your head. And you are not faithful with the little that is around you. Many of you don't know that God, is, God will test you. God will test you. And the Bible says whoever is faithful with little is faithful with much. Yes, it is true. If you are faithful with the little God gives you, if you are grateful and you work with the little he gives you, there are some of you, God is deliberately giving you thousand Ghana cities as salary. And he's checking your attitude with that money. Kingdom supporter, unto your tight. Kingdom builder, you have never bought cement for any church building. Kingdom supporter, you get money, you buy a new shoe every month. You can ask my wife, the last time I used money to go and buy a dress. At the end of the month, people have to help, people have to support. There's some money on my momo, but I can't touch it. I'm not under permission to touch it. There must be a need that has applied. Pastor Zikapa said the church has a check for you. I said, check for me at this time when we are coming to do building project. He says for your fool. I, I heard God say, put it back. I said, man of God, keep that check. Many of you have Compromise your ordination. Meanwhile, God wanted God wanted to show you something. He wanted to bring you to a place. And you allowed selfishness. You allowed sleep. You allowed TV. You allowed game. At this time, you play game. The reason why quantifying spirituality is a serious matter is most of you don't know how serious this thing is. Every great thing that will happen to you is founded, predicated on your fellowship with God. Yes. Yes. I'm telling you. God checks your consistency, your faithfulness. God checks your loyalty. Okay, this girl is loyal. She rises every morning at five. She has done that for one year. She has learned to quantify her spiritual life. So she doesn't waste time on unnecessary things. Okay, from this lady, when I open the door for her in this insurance company, she can be able to sustain my kingdom. Take it. That's how heaven views things. Every single time, heaven is watching. Go and check the Bible. The Bible says, For the Lord's eyes searched all the earth to find one that seeks him. So God is scanning. God is scanning everybody. He's coming there to see those whose hearts are for him. Those who come to church to receive miracles. He's watching them with one eye. They are waiting for everything to be fine. They are waiting to get money before they serve God. You are fake. And we said, I'm a fool. You will know you are making spiritual progress by how obedient you are. Number five, you will know you are making spiritual progress by how well you revere God and sacred things. How well you revere, you fear God and sacred things. And finally, 
you will know you are making spiritual progress by your hunger and thirst for God. There are some of you, the last time you ever had that appetite, that hunger that made you cry, that first laugh, it was three years ago. I've put an inscription in my prayer room. Isaac laughed Papo. Never be familiar with the presence of God. You know why? You can be a child of God. You can pray for a while. You can study the Bible for a while. You can spend time in God's presence now. You become familiar. You can become so familiar with God without knowing. That's one thing that I had to learn. Hey! <laughs> it's an attitude. Hunger and thirst. I told you the last time that one of the signs that you are healthy is hunger. Yes. Because when a man is sick, he loses appetite. The sign that you are losing appetite for God is that you are no longer hungry for him. In those times you were crying. Those times you were saying, I want more of you. What happened? I told God, Father, may I not say those times. May I not say it. May I not say it those times. May I not say it. I've been, I've been always explaining two principles to you. I said that in this life, the more you eat, the less hungry you become, right? After clearing five bowls of kinky, if I bring you one big bowl of fried rice, will you be able to eat it? It depends. Okay. I'm talking of the normal human being. The normal human being, after eating five balls of kinky, and I bring you one big bowl of fried rice, you may not be able to eat it. Even if you are eating, you can't eat it well. That kind of thing, right? So, the, I'm, okay. <laughs> I know probably this example is not the best, but don't worry. Because there are other human beings who are supernaturals, who have other genes in their system. <laughs> so, with a normal human, when you eat for the more you eat the less hungry you become right actually it's the opposite in the realm of the spirit in the spirit the more you eat the what the more hungry you become that's it so the more you are eating the more you want to eat that's how it is the more you are drinking the more you want to drink that's how it is so you you have satisfactions that bring more hunger for satisfaction it's continuous. The satisfaction you receive from God bets more hunger for it to be satisfied to bet another hunger to be satisfied continuously, constantly. That's how it is. The second principle is that in the physical world, the more you postpone your meals, the more hungry you become, right? For example, you're supposed to eat at 6 o'clock. It says, no, I'll eat at 9. At 9, it says, no, I'll eat at 12. At 12, it says, no, I'll eat at 3. At 3, it says, no, I'll eat at 6. What happens to you? You become more hungry. In the spirit is the opposite. The more you postpone your meals, it dies. So today you have to read your Bible and pray. You don't do it. You say, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, he says, I'll do it the next day. The next day, I said, I'll do it in three days. Before after one week, you have no. Do you know what's going to happen? Your, your hunger and appetite will die. So some of you, that's how you killed your appetite. And it's been five months. God is looking for you. You are nowhere to be found. God is shouting, Adam, where are you? So you may think that if you are not praying and reading your Bible, you should be more hungry. No. It is the shortest way of killing your hunger. 
That's why anytime you have a new job, you have to be careful. Plan. Plan. That's why I'm teaching on quantified spirituality. Some, see, some Christians don't know. Per any upgrade you receive in life, you have to adjust. When my second daughter came, the pressure increased. I have to now adjust. So listen, you have to create new templates consistently per the place you find yourself. There are some of you, the job you're doing, after like two months, the pressure is going to be demanding. What, what plan have you drawn down so that when that pressure comes, that pressure does not pick your spiritual life like a flood? You don't know. Everything that is fighting us today is fighting one thing, our relationship with God. You don't know this. So, Satan can use your education to be undoing. He can use your job. He can use your children. Meanwhile, they are valid things. And you can say, I have two children. How do you want me to study? Oh, you have two children. So, how, how are you able to WhatsApp? You have five children. How are you able to watch TV with the children in your arms? You see, so listen, when you have time in your heart, you know you have time. And when you have time, God knows you have time. So anytime one man goes, anytime you are saying, I'm tired, that's why I can pray. God knows it when you are tired. You don't tell him you are tired. He knows when you are tired. So you can fake it when you know you are not tired. I say you are tired. So listen, make plans. That's why we are teaching quantified spirituality. Now, today's message. I'm going to do this in 20 minutes. Now, observe this. Now, why must we quantify spirituality? That's the final message I'm doing and we go to another one. Why must we quantify our spirituality? Remember when we are speaking of quantifying spirituality, we are talking about measuring, monitoring, and assessing your, the progress of your spiritual life. You have to monitor it. Hey! Do you know that, like I said, life is in measurement? Right? It's a measurement. When you are pumping your tie, do you just pump the tie? You pump in. You pump in. Measurement. You know, those of you, you don't know. The people pumping your tie, they use measurement. If they don't use measurement, your tie will just pass. Oh! Because excess Do you know that even in science, um, what is um, salt? The chemical formula for salt what sodium who is that <laughs> sodium chloride that's the basic one don't confuse us sodium chloride right do you know that when the sodium goes above the measurement is supposed to be for uh, against the chloride it becomes what poison just by missing one measurement that very thing is no longer salt. It is poison. It will kill. And many have not realized that it's the same with our spiritual life. If we don't add measurements, if we don't quantify it, it will affect our spiritual life. So why must we quantify our spirituality? So why should you know how many hours you pray a week? Don't forget the equation we did. We said if you pray 30 minutes a day by seven days, how many hours would you have prayed? Three hours, 30 minutes, right? Multiply by four. Making what? Which is one month. Making what? What? 14 hours. 
right so by the end of one month if you are praying 30 minutes a day you have prayed how many hours 14 hours in one month and by a year you have prayed what 168 hours a year what those quantifications does to you is what I'm about to teach someone says for me I'm not under time oh no problem it's fine it's fine for me when I'm led I do it if I'm not led I don't do it I don't want to be under pressure no problem it's fine praise God for me any chapter I thought I want to read then I read you should be able to know how many books you are reading in a week I, tell, I read not less than two chapters of a book every day yes you must know how many chapters of the bible you read per day you must know in my prayer room I'm supposed to conquer 10 chapters every day that's the minimum I'm supposed to pray 6 hours every day that's the minimum so which means by the time it's Friday I should pray 30 hours and that one is minimum don't be like me I'm trying to teach you that I've also quantified my spiritual life so nothing happens by accident if you see me teaching like this it's not by accident so by the quantification you can tell what is happening are you seeing that so that's exactly what we're teaching here so the first reason why you must quantify your spiritual life is because it makes you spiritually organized the reason why you must quantify your spiritual life is because it makes you spiritually what organized there are many Christians who are organized physically they know how to arrange their bed arrange the place in their kitchen wash their things beautifully but they can't organize their spiritual life listen the same way you are well balanced in bringing a certain kind of order to your life if you bring it to your spiritual life it will make some good for you when you quantify your spiritual life as a Christian it makes you spiritually what? organized what that means is that it shapes your life in a Godward direction so your life is now shaped by quantifying spirituality you, your life is shaped in a Godward manner you begin to shape your life towards God the most of you your life is shaped towards other things that's why you're organized in those places. But when it comes to Godwardness, it's not there. Because the kind of prices you are paying for your physical life, you're not doing that for your spiritual life. So there are a lot of Christians who are disorganized spiritually. They can take the Bible, open, uh, close their eyes, like first service. Wherefore, thou art great, O Lord, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee according to all that we have heard with our eyes uh -huh. is that money devotion you don't do that you are disorganized a day before your morning devotion you should know what you are reading you should know which area are you handling the book of Acts so you know that this week I am conquering Acts so I will read 3 chapters of Acts till I finish the Acts chapter 28 is it Acts 28 or 26 28 so you you program it i'm reading three chapters of the book of acts every day by the time i get to next week i would have finished the book of acts that is one who is spiritually organized 
this week per my schedule listen you can adjust your prayer schedule if you realize this week they told you that this company is going to go for auditing meetings and all that so you are going to adjust it a week before in preparation that because there's going to be pressure i will either pray more the week before or and reduce it by a certain quantity some of you rather will not do it at all because you are under pressure that's the challenge you don't organize your spiritual life In my prayer room, all the books I'm supposed to read, I have arranged them, chapters I'm supposed to read. I've arranged them and I've opened it and put it down. So when I finish, I open this one. I finish, I open this one. You always see it in my prayer room, everywhere I go. I organize my spiritual life. I know what I'm studying this week. I know which chapters I'm conquering this week. I know how many hours I'm praying and the prayer topics I'm praying this week. Everything is well structured. It brings spiritual organization in my life. Some of you are good managers physically, poor managers spiritually. You can't manage anything about your spiritual life. That's one of the first reasons why you quantify spirituality. Number two, it makes your spiritual progress evident. Or you can write, it makes your spiritual progress or failure evident. It makes your spiritual progress or failure what? Evident. If you are quantifying your spiritual life, your failure or your progress as a child of God will soon become evident. So, so quantifying spirituality serves as a spiritual thermometer over your life. By you quantifying or you not quantifying your spiritual life, you, the evidence of your hotness or your coldness will soon be evident. Praise God. Number three. It makes you spiritually disciplined. It makes you what? Spiritually disciplined. You know when it's time for Bible reading. You know when it's time for prayer. You will not say you are watching movie when it's time for prayer. No. When you have quantified your spiritual life, you become spiritually organized and spiritually disciplined. My wife knows it when I'm praying. When I'm praying, no disturbance. That is a regime. That's how it has been done. Rigid discipline. You will not sacrifice your prayer time which you have well organized for something else. No. Because then, when I'm talking to them on phone and time is up, I'll tell you, I'll call you back, it's time for prayer. And I leave. No matter how interesting the conversation is, you can ask them. There are times people come and visit me, they, wait, they have to wait for me when my prayer time is up. You wait. So it makes you what? spiritually disciplined. Your roommate cannot come and tell you that, Charlie, we are looking for two game players. Are you available? The part is two. Are you available? It's time for you to go and pray. It's time for you to stay away. It's time. Uh, they say, are you available? 
Okay. Then you take their part. I'm gone. No discipline. Trotman. Huh? In the early 18s, he was a founder of a, 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 a fellowship called Navigators. There was a principle he used. H W L W. His word, the last word. That was his acronym. No matter how enjoying a conversation is, when it is time for him to go to bed, no matter who you are, no matter where the conversation is, he'll cut it off. And he'll tell you, HWLW, then he leaves. And everybody knows, his family members know, his wife knows, he'll leave. This is somebody who is spiritually disciplined because he knows he has to wake up at dawn. So you see, your life, so, so there's no, there's nothing that is disciplining you. So today you can watch movie from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Then you wake up late at 6.30 a.m. And you are late for work. How can you be able to do your devotion when you don't have that discipline? So you see, that thing will keep you spiritually disciplined. Now, there is a certain regulation. Nobody, you see, no, say, nobody tarnado, what? Run away. Nobody has told you to do this. But because you know you have to wake up, now you have to cut off certain things. That movie you have been watching now you know that you can't watch any movie past two hours because there is work to do there is a certain quantification that needs to be met you are disciplined listen what separates strong christians from weak christians is their spiritual discipline yes yes number five Number four, why must we quantify spirituality? Number four, it saves you from satanic attacks, temptations, and excuses. It saves you from what? Satanic attacks, temptations, and excuses. <laughs> My goodness. If you've been here for quite some time, there's something I always say. There are two things Satan fights every single time in our lives as human beings. Number one, he fights the salvation of souls. Number two, he fights the growing of souls. Number one, he fights what? Salvation of souls. Number two, he fights what? What? Now, so in simple words, Satan fights two things. Salvation and what? Spiritual growth. Don't forget this in your life. That is why it's difficult to get people born again. Yes. Very difficult. It's war. To get people born again is war. There is a spirit that blinds them that the very message that is supposed to produce eternal life is the very message that they abhor and they tell you I'm too busy hey, get out of my face there is a spirit behind it fighting so when you manage to escape spiritual death into life Satan says yeah says why are you born again whoa okay we thank God for your life we will see how you grow we will see how you grow. So the second thing Satan fights when you are able to get saved is your, your spiritual growth. That's why it's difficult. <laughs> 
won't stop saying this. It is easier to watch Avengers than to read your Bible. It is easier to Facebook than word book. Yes. So you experience struggle before you touch this Bible. It's a fight. Satan is mainly behind it. Sometimes he'll cooperate with your flesh. And they'll tell you you are tired when you are not tired. They'll remind you of problems. And you are praying. You close your eyes. You see a woman's bottles. <laughs> oh, oh. You know, there are a lot of righteous people here. So, you, are, you don't see that. You are holy. You see angels when you close your eyes. We thank God for your life. But some of us, who God is helping. Those of us who have had mercy. The things we see in our mind. If God makes it a reality. So he will send arrows. Sometimes you are praying, all of a sudden, or come be Sometimes you want to pray. The moment you want to pray, all of a sudden your mind is blank. You don't know where to start from. Has it happened to you before? You don't know where to start. You don't know what to, what to say. Before you realize, then you stop praying. Have you realized that? All these things are attacks Satan sends to you. And most of us are not intelligent to know that we are under attack. Listen, anytime you set your heart to see God, Satan appears. Yes. When Jesus sought his heart to see God by fasting in the wilderness, Satan came. When Jesus was about to die to bring salvation to us, Satan came. So anytime you want to see God or do his will, I am telling you, hell will break loose on you. Right now, as I'm teaching you, maybe the Holy Ghost has convicted you. He says, from tomorrow morning, I'm going to start my quiet time. Once you declared it, you declared war. That confession was a war. <laughs> yes. It was a war. You will set alarm to 4.30. You will disgrace yourself. You wake up at 6.30. Not that you didn't hear the alarm. Oh. You heard the alarm and you disobeyed the alarm. It rang four times. The fourth time you threw the phone away. <laughs> and listen... <laughs> The moment you wake up at 4 30, now we know has it happened to you before? Hey. There was one time I said I was doing all night. My brothers and sisters, all night too. And I went to sleep at 10 p.m. And the alarm rang 12. Bling, bling, bling. I checked the phone. And you know the snooze, you can make it come back in 10 minutes. I did it 40 times. <laughs> Oh, you, you know, I'm not a superman, though, so don't look at me and see a, a perfect man of God who is just lemo kome moroshimieno. This guy is not a good guy like that, too. I battle. I woke up 6 30 and I lifted my hands in the prayer room, my holy hands, and I knew those hands were filthy. <laughs> You don't know this thing. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. You know we are we are mortal. We are mortals. <laughs> Help this mortal. <laughs> Lord, you understand the frailties of the flesh. So once in a while, Lord, you understand this thing. So the very weak, 
you decide that enough is enough. As you are making decisions, ask for help. I'm speaking my experience. As you are making decisions, anytime a decision you are taking is out of self-confidence, look at the man who says, I will. Look at his end. Before I held this microphone, I was begging God from the office to hear. I said, Lord, please help me. I can't preach. I've made notes. He says, horses are prepared. Horses and chariots are prepared for war. But who brings the victory? It's God. I said, Lord, the notes are ready. Powerful notes. But Lord, I don't have words. Because you can give a note and they won't take note of the note you are giving to them. So, the spirit of God must take a word from here and crystallize it in the heart of the hearer for you to bring transformation. So, I don't trust my note. I don't trust my speech. There are words I say. I have to go and listen to myself again. I say, how did I construct it? In my natural mind, I can't construct a sentence because I know my educational level. I know my level of intelligence. I'm telling you the truth. So I always ask for help. So anytime you make a decision, ask for what? Help. Lord, please help me to do my quiet time this week. Please help me to quantify my spiritual life. Help me to wake up at 4 a.m. Help me, Lord, to be able to go and preach to people. Help me. You always need help. That is why you must learn to acknowledge your insufficiency. I'm a product of grace. Oh, I'm a product of grace. Always acknowledge your inabilities. Your infirmities, your weakness. Because likewise, the spirit helpeth our infirmities. So if you don't acknowledge your weakness, the spirit cannot help you. Oh, so you want to stop masturbation from your strength. Sao, where did you movies now? Where did you Okay, that's, your, that's a powerful progress you have made. It's good. We thank God for your life. I'm giving you the next three weeks. You don't know where the thing will come from. It will hold you like that. You don't know where the ideas will come from. The intelligence, you won't know. Somebody who has retired from pornography for three weeks. When you recover that three weeks, the damage you will cause. <laughs> Satan will remind you that we'll, we'll stop it three weeks. I'll compound it. Yeah. So listen. You ask for help. Lord, please, help me. This attitude, this character, Lord, I, I can't do it all. You see, so, so many of you, eh, you trust yourself. You trust yourself. I can pray six to seven hours before I, before I hold the microphone to preach. I said, Lord, help me. Lord, please help me. I can say that. Oh, I've prayed. God is in charge. You know, that's pride. That's pride. I can. I can. Remove it from your life. Me, I can't do anything. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. How come you are doing everything without him? Shout, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. It's a simple prayer, but it works. Say, help me, Lord. Help me. One more time, say, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. So listen, when you learn to quantify your spiritual life, it will save you from satanic attacks, from temptations, and from what? Excuses. You won't give an excuse when you know that what you have quantified to help your spiritual life must be done. You won't. Number one. Five. Why must we quantify our spirituality? Number five, because it shows you the evidence of your spiritual sacrifices or investments. It shows you the evidence of your spiritual sacrifices or 
investment. Hmm. Now, if you are having thousand Ghana cities in your bank account, eh, and then you want to buy a Mercedes Benz C Class C three hundred, is it possible? Why? Don't you have money? You have money, right? You have money. But what's the problem? The money is not enough. And this is how many believers are. They have thousand Ghana cities, but their appetite is for Benz. <laughs> oh, appetite, they no currency in much. <laughs> you remember one of the services I told you that, listen, you cannot love a product without loving the price. If you go to a boutique eh, and you see a sneakers there, and you look at you analyze the sneakers like this man's sneakers. We are your fools. Samidia near fools. We are your fools. Why was the difference now? What's all the napa? Who the wine color near female? Yeah, red. And a pink. Let's sneak around your papa. Mercy, oh, okay, let's move to the issue. So, this man's shoe is from the boutique. Let's assume it's thousand Ghana cities. And he goes and he chooses the boutique. And he, from the boutique, it's thousand. He says, oh, it's, it's nice. I, I just love it. He puts it on and he's just doing like this. <laughs> he loves it. And he says, okay, he puts it in rubber. He take, gets to the table. And he says, how much? Thousand Ghana. Are you foolish? <laughs> this shoe is thousand Ghana cities. No, I don't think so. Pacho Monteso, boutique. Open this one, cause I'm here now. Are you getting that? So, so you cannot love the product without loving what the price. So, some of you want big things. You you don't have money to. <laughs> God, so if you want force, go to false lane. That one we bargain. There are things in the spirit you can bargain, there are other things you don't bargain. You must have ready cash. So if you don't have enough, you have to what save more. So, what quantifying your spiritually does to you is that it makes you do what it makes you want, it makes you it shows the evidence of your spiritual investment. It will show. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. You don't plant mango seed and expect cocoa fruit. I'm teaching you something. I've seen many Christians who say I'm disappointed in God. When I needed God, where was he? <laughs> now you, when he needed you, where were you? So, you are sown mango. You are expecting guava fruit. But we don't know that we reap what we sow. It's a spiritual principle. Listen to me. In the spirit, you will reap what you sow spiritually. If you sow one minute prayers every day, you reap it. If you sow two minutes prayer, you reap it. And hear me. Prayer is not time wasted. It's time invested. I'm telling you. Hmm. Hey. Many of you don't know this thing. So listen, don't blame God at your current level. Don't blame him. He knows nothing about it. He gave you 24 hours like everybody. 
He gave you means of buying books. He gave you means of owning a Bible. He gave you a peaceful country where you can hold your Bible. He didn't put you in China. So tell me the excuse that you have. Don't blame him, I beg you. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 7. He says, for God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. For whatsoever a man what? Sow it. That shall he also reap. This is a, tell somebody a spiritual law. If you sow a seed, you're going to harvest from the seed or something. I'm telling you. If you sow wrong words, you harvest it. If you sow gossip, you harvest wahala. Yes. So life, life is not difficult. It's, it's seeds. Why are you sowing? What are you sowing into? So likewise, look at the next verse. This is where the, the breaker is. He says in the next verse, uh, come to the verse 8. For he does sow it to his flesh. That means on a daily basis, you have an opportunity to sow into areas of your life. Your flesh, the spirit. So listen, if you make your life a life full of movies, what are you so into? What are you so into? A flesh. He says, shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reward, reward life eternal. Listen, we are always our, our um, investment. We always are investment. Don't be shocked about life. So we see Christians all around. They say they, they want to know God. I want to know you. How long have you been saying that? Five years. I want to know him. What efforts, what sacrifices have you put in place? Listen, this kingdom life is a sacrificial life. I'm telling you the truth. Because the, the one upon whom that salvation came, Eh? It came on a sacrifice. Are you aware? The salvation you are enjoying. You are enjoying it because someone what? Sacrifice. That was the foundation. The foundation of Christianity is sacrifice. That means we build Christianity on sacrifice. Yes. So anything you cannot sacrifice for the master, that means the master is not important for you. Yes. Sacrifice WhatsApp for almost two and a half years. I have not checked WhatsApp status. I don't know what is going on there. Come and check my phone. 628 unreplied messages. Holy God, they went. It is extremely necessary. Because the groups everywhere making noise. Facebook, I go and post my article. When I'm done, I leave. I don't want to check what is going on in someone's life. I don't care. Because this is what has brought envy. You see someone's church and you check your church. The person posts and put car parks there. You see G wagon, F wagon. You see all these big, big cars. They are there. And when you check your car park, it's only one moto. <laughs> Before you realize, you are down. You begin to compare your life. These things have killed many Christians spiritually. Without you knowing. I have to kill those things before they kill me. So I had to sacrifice. Last year I told you my wife never saw me on a bed with her for seven months. Every day was all night. 12 to 6. 12 to 6. 12 to 6. 12 to 6. What? 
praying for you. She didn't see me on the bed. When she opens her eye on the bed, there's nobody there. Seven months. Hey. It is called sacrifice. <laughs> for the past two years, every Sunday, I leave home at dawn. Every Sunday, I leave home at dawn. Which implies I have to sleep early. The weekend, my wife has should have time with me. We only spend time later in the afternoon because I sleep because we do Friday all night. She have little time. I have to go to bed. Yesterday I was, I was not supposed to come at dawn. I was extremely tired, but I still woke up at three. By 1:30, I'm awake. Bath, dress up, drive here without my church dress. Come and bring here till seven o'clock before I go and dress up and come for service. Two years. We have to sacrifice something for something in the kingdom. And hear me, I've told you, in the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, whoever pays the highest price will win. So if a witch who has sacrificed his three children is fighting you and you have made no sacrifice on your altar, I'm telling you that witch will win. Yes, you can doubt what I'm saying. She'll win. You don't wake up at dawn to pray. You don't have a devotional life. Oh, and you say what? He that is born of God. <laughs> See. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> so you have a dream. A snake was walking on your leg area. The snake called son of Fawichi and Obijina when you Osha with him say, I'm sorry. God gave you the grace for the snake not to bite you before you woke up. You woke up and said, He that is born of God overcomes the world and you slept again. Hey, it was through. Say cobra show. That's he that is born of God. You think Christianity is easy and cheap like that? Then we can all confess our ways. Uh, those times I forgot you say, I, I received this car. I received this car. How many years now? <laughs> See, if life is about confession, they say positive confession. Confess. Master, only confession. Those times when I see someone's BMW, I hold it. I receive. I possess. I <laughs> There are things I had to learn to sow. I had to learn to sow. Ah, <laughs> I don't get it. So last two years, that was when I finished my 40 days. The Lord said, sow your car as a seed. Now it was not confession. Ah. So as I finished sowing it and I say I receive, then God says, Yeah, you <laughs> are ready to take. <laughs> yes. So in kingdom, it's not cheap like that, though. So uh, people, some of the people who understand grace have made it cheap. They said it's all about the finished work. It's all about Calvary. Calvary. It's all about Calvary. It's all about Calvary. It's all about Calvary. It's all about Calvary. It is finished. You are forgiven past, present, future sins. Bro, enjoy the life we have in Christ. You know, somebody, I wrote a post about prayer. Somebody says, man of God, in the New Testament, Christ has given us access. You know, he has finished the work for us. And when he finished the work, now prayer is actually only thanksgiving. I said, whoa. But yeah, sorry, why? Yeah, sorry, two years. And let's talk. Only thanksgiving. I said, you don't even know your Bible. When I see ignorant people who are behaving like they know, I just laugh. Every truth you know about grace, I know I'm.
But so many people have not understood that. Listen to me. Grace is a tool for service. It's not a toy for playing. So grace empowers you to become effective in your work with God. So when God makes you a righteous man apart from your works, he is giving you an empowerment. On account of that righteousness, you can boldly come to him without a sense of shame and condemnation. To do what? To pray. So if you know you're righteous, and on that righteousness, you are not accessing God's throne for prayer, you are fake. You are using grace to play. Hey! Now look, listen, any doctrine you think you know or you are teaching, check the life of the apostles. If they were not producing that, it's wrong. Every doctrine you are preaching, check the life of Jesus. Check the life of the apostles and check the life of the early church. If that message you are preaching is not consistent, it's just a matter of time. We'll see the result. Almost every error, doctrinal errors, I found myself swallowing it. I've said to people the Bible is not the word of God because I saw in the, the Bible that the Bible says Jesus is the word. So I said the Bible is not the word of God, it is Jesus. Meanwhile, I was wrong. Jesus is the word of God as a person. The Bible is also the word of God because it is in the Bible that the account of our faith is revealed. So the Bible is the word of God and it reveals the word of God. When we say that we are giving people the chance to think that there are other extra materials we can get outside the Bible. The canons of our faith is revealed here. So Jesus is the word of God but the Bible is a written content of him. So it is the word of God. It took the Holy Spirit to save me. So, every doctrinal error, some years ago, I almost became a universalist, saying that the whole world is saved. Because I was reading all kinds of things and other materials came. And those times, my prayer life was not strong like that. And anytime you become prayerless, you are easy to fall into false doctrine. I'm telling you. There was one fornicating guy who came to see me some years ago. And I was aware. And he came, he says, that great thing you probably been talking, can you enlighten me more? And the Holy Ghost said he was looking for an opportunity to remain in that sin. So he wants education in grace. You can use grace for anything, I'm telling you. Mm. Yeah. You can use it for anything. But here's whatever you do that doesn't bring glory to this Jesus, check it, it will destroy you. last time I saw somebody said I'm an expired grace preacher I said okay I love that expiration anyway compromise I said me what I saw the apostles preach how they handled the message is how I handled it yeah so number six it makes you spiritually accountable. Why must you quantify your spirituality? Because it makes you spiritually accountable. What I mean by that is that you become a check on yourself. Or, in other words, you become your own policeman. When you are quantifying your spiritual life, you know this is the quantity you use in the word of God, prayer, the number of books you read, I'm talking about that one. You become accountable. 
So what it does is that you become a check on yourself. Listen, if by now in your Christian life, somebody has to force you or encourage you to read your Bible and pray, it's a sign that you are not growing. Because if you are always feeding a child, and the child grows to become 12 years and you are still feeding the child, and the child can't even take a spoon to feed himself, there is a problem. You always change a child's diaper, the child keeps weaving on himself, and he cannot go to the washroom at the age of 12 years, there is a problem. So hear me. Quantify your spirituality makes you spiritually accountable. You become a check on yourself when you realize you have not read your Bible. Because you are accountable to God, you go back and align and put things in order. No. It's not right now. I've got, it's not possible for me to stay prayerless for three days. It can't happen. Even three days, it's too long. It's too long. Because now I've become spiritually responsible. So many of us are irresponsible. I put something down. I believe it's going to help you. I said, you are not responsible until you start taking care of your spiritual life. You are not responsible until you start taking care of your spiritual life. Now this is interesting. Have you realized before you call somebody responsible? That means he's taking care of something. Res when we say somebody is responsible, we are saying he has the skill of learning to take care of things. A responsible father knows how to take care of his children and his wife. A responsible husband will not cheat on a wife. He will provide for the house. A responsible um, 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 worker will be faithful and take care of the work committed into his hands. So listen to me. When you are responsible, it simply means you can take care of. So spiritual accountability means you are able to be responsible enough to take care of your spiritual life. You cannot sow a seed in your backyard and it's been 40 days without you watering it. Which means that when you wake up in the morning, you spy the window to see the progress. If you realize it's becoming brown, you go and put water, you add some salt to help it to grow, and you take care of it until it germinates and grows. It's the same with our spiritual life. Most of you are careless. Careless. Hear me? Right now, we are done with 40 days. Some of you, we are done with 40 days in the church, but some of you, the Holy Ghost will still deal with you until you continue. You know why? Because God has different dealings with all of us. So some, we are done as a church, but you are not done as an individual. Because the last that is lacking inside you, God says, you, the 40 days is too small. So you have to add another 30 days. God will teach you. And you must come to a place where you don't depend on church fasting to fast. Please, are you following me? You don't depend on corporate prayer to build your spiritual life. That's you not being responsible. You are not accountable. You don't know. You are not a good manager. You see, and people don't know that the, your entire spiritual life, you are supposed to be a good steward of your spiritual life. When we get to heaven, Jesus will ask you, how did you treat your spiritual life? What did you use your time to do? You use your, you, you sacrifice your spiritual life for gain. You sacrifice your spiritual life for something else that is not profitable as far as your work with God is concerned. You give an account. I'm telling you. Can you imagine the Bible says every idle word that comes out of your mind, you're going to give an account. So, even idle words, we give an account. How much more spiritual life? Listen, listen, 
that Christian who is in a highly persecuted country, who doesn't even have any Bible and has only one chapter, those times eh, during the uh, Inquisition age, you were not supposed to be caught with a, a, a Bible in China. You can't. So those times, they had to tear the Bible into pieces and they give each piece to different uh, Christians. So Deuteronomy is in one Christian in this part of town. Exodus is with another one. So at the end of the month, you are giving a time to exhaust and chew everything in your head. So when Deuteronomy comes to you, you have less than one month to memorize everything because you won't get it again. Then they'll go and meet in a urinal in one company or something. Then they go and they go and exchange it. So you give me Deuteronomy and you take Exodus. Then you turn and go. Then you have to go and chew Exodus. So those times, those Chinese Christians, they didn't need a Bible. They were the Bible. So under such adverse environment, these people were still managing to know God. And you have liberty. You are having a job that gives you salary that can buy books. And you're not buying. That can help you get enough bundle to take advantage of the internet, to learn from men of God, to learn history, to learn these things that will help you build up. And yet... You are using that time for fruitless things. You will give an account when you stand before God with that Christian. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes my heart. Hey. <laughs> Let me finish this. Number seven. Why must you quantify your spiritual life? Because you can predict your future by quantifying your spiritual investments. By now, almost all of us here should be able to predict our future with God. Our future. You should be able to tell your rewards you are going to get before you leave this earth. At least, you can tell. The Bible says, judge yourselves on this earth before you are judged. So if you are not doing well as a child of God, you should know it now. There are some of you as you are sitting here, wouldn't say plastic cap, crown as a medal in heaven. Yes. So it's not that everything is going to be a, no, let nothing be a shock to you. I'm telling you, and most if you think that when God says there are rewards in heaven, it's a joke, then you are joking. This is real. There are believers who suffer loss. Go and read first Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. You will suffer loss. Listen, there are two sufferings. Sufferings in hell and sufferings in losses. That one is in heaven. So, the pain one feels in hell, you are going to have it in another dimension. Yours is suffering loss. All the opportunities you had to make rewards in heaven, which you forfeited because of excuses. You are going to suffer for it. For information, the Bible tells us there is weeping in heaven. He shall wipe away their tears. So, there are saints who will cry. And that thing scares me. For every Bible you read, there's a citation for you. For every prayer you prayed, which was not about self-gratification, but to God's kingdom, there's a reward. A man went to heaven and saw that there are citations and some, there are some other rewards that decorate the house of a believer when he gets to heaven. Bible reading. Intercession. If you are interceding for Korea all your life before you died, when we appear again in earth during the millennium, they will commit Korea to you as you're part of the rulers of Korea. Mm. Some of you need my crown. You look. Zongo Janshin. 
Ano kwa unya? Mokola. No, this is a serious matter. So, you are praying for prostitutes, for homosexuals, and you are praying for them. Every prostitute or homosexual that got born again in heaven, they will stand with you. You don't know this thing. Listen, God is not unrighteous to forget our labor. Everything you do that involves labor. If you labor in the word, you are rewarded. If you labor in prayer, you are rewarded. If you labor in giving, you are rewarded. If you labor in service, you are rewarded. God does not leave the Christian unrewarded for every labor. <laughs> this will encourage you. Mm-hmm. So you can predict your future. There are some of you who don't be surprised if you have a bad marriage in the future. Don't. Don't be surprised by what you are doing now. You are in a relationship. You don't even pray in the morning. When you wake up, you're talking about love. You don't lay a foundation. Let's pray. You spend 30 minutes in, on the phone. I was doing that with my wife those times. We pray 30 minutes. Sometimes one hour we are speaking in tongues. You say, listen, the relationship, we are making it too spiritual. Bro, when you marry, or don't I am telling you, when you get married, or don't if you were so I'm telling you, I don't have any emotions for my wife, and she knows I love her by scripture, not by emotion. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Marry and see, there is no emotion here because what's supposed to be beheld, I've seen, what's supposed to touch, I've touched for five years. What nothing moves me. Maybe on the outside, people see like you're so beautiful. <laughs> so I love her by scripture. No, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lady here is offended, so you don't love your wife. I say I love her by scripture. <laughs> there is no emotional thing yet. The emotions is gone. Those times when I see her, I'm a popo. Those, I see her, then I'm confused. I'm a no popo. Hey, Master, everything is gone. Those times for my church, when she's come to give offering, I'm come to give it, and we cross now. <laughs> Those times we are unveiling Christ. You are unveiling Christ. <laughs> Adrenaline. Hey. <laughs> Oh, you don't get this thing. Everything is gone. The only thing keeping the marriage is principles and the love of God. Yes. And you get there, you understand what I'm saying. I love you, cross sometimes 14 days now, okay? Yes. But I love you. But I love you with the love of God. <laughs> Once in a while, no one falling. I said, you remember those days? Not falling, not back, just like that. Okay, relationship. I'm not a I'm not a counselor. Please let's let's stick. <laughs> Praise God. So you see, when so you can predict your future by the things you are doing now. 
And you're the one called KFC. Hey, Munya Bible reading. <laughs> Yo, read there, don't get it. I can't fight with my wife. Now they are so Good morning, good morning. I, I can't. It can't. It has never happened. Can't ask it. We built it on a certain foundation. That baby, no matter what happened, whether it's my fault or not, when we wake up in the morning, we are both talking. We learned this years before we got married. So right now, relationship no more. One week, no be afraid. We are feeling big. One frame, frame. We have not built a foundation. I'm telling you, as simple as this is, it has broken many marriages. I'm telling you. So that foundation, it is there. It can never happen that we we have an argument overnight. Hey, no, it won't. It won't. Am I helping you? So please build solid foundations. You can predict your future in every area of your life currently by how you are simplifying or quantifying your spirituality. You will thank me later. This book of the law shall not depart from the man, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written. For by so doing, thou shalt make what? Thy way prosperous, and thou shalt what? Have good success. That means a man that meditates on the word of God and obeys God's word can predict his success and prosperity in the now. You may not have it now, but by the things you are doing, you can predict. Clap. This one is very beautiful. Number eight. Why must we quantify spirituality? It makes you spiritually selective. It makes you what? Spiritually selective. Listen to me. This is a very important thing. If you are the type of Christian that has learned to quantify how your spiritual pattern or path should move, by now, the kind of person you should marry is already on your eyes. No, no, no. You become selective because anybody that's not going where you are going, that person doesn't fall in. That's what quantifying spirituality does. There are some friends who will never be in your, in your lane. No, please, are you getting what I'm saying? Right now, where I'm going, there are some pastors that can't work with me. No, I can't choose you. I go to programs, pastors see me, they are happy. Say, man, I want to connect. I want to connect. Oh, connect. My number. Say connect here to me a connection will be a illegal connection. We can connect. Can I have your number? I give you the number. How to connect now is going to be a problem. I don't easily connect. I know where I'm going. I am very selective. So sometimes you people enjoy me. Some pastors think I'm proud. They think I'm proud. But I don't know. These are things I'm going to protect myself. If you're a pastor, you have too many friends. You are, you are, you are going to be in trouble. If you're, if you're a gospel musician, you have too many friends. One day, one day, one of them will corrupt you. I'm telling you. Oh, for information, prophets are lone men. Yes, they are very lone men. I learned that early. So I don't wait for encouragement from people. Stay alone. I can be alone 
from Monday to Friday alone. So listen, when you quantify a spiritual life, anything has not just come in. No. I know so much what to do that there are some calls and there are some meetings I can't go. I can't go. I just can't go. There are some conversations I can't have. Are you following what I'm saying? Right now, what I've got into, the things I've come to know about God, then I'll be uh, 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 chatting with another lady who's not my wife, 10 o'clock. Are you there? I'm there. <laughs> Is your wife asleep? I'm checking. <laughs> baby, baby, baby. Oh, I can't worry me. She's asleep, she's asleep, she's asleep. How was your day? In fact, I'm calling. I'm calling right now. Into what did I know? How do you feel? <laughs> honestly, I don't know whether it's, it's how I'm building my relationship with God, but honestly, I feel cheating is one of the most bad things, some difficult things to do. It's so difficult to cheat. You must be too skilled to cheat. I'm telling you. See, it's I am so I've learned to be so simple that it's difficult for me to have two phones. Someone brought me an iPhone just on uh, seat of March. I think iPhone 12. I gave it to my wife. My wife gave the other phone to someone, and I gave the other one to someone. I could have said to them, just it's too difficult for me to hold two phones. So, the, so even the one I have, I can't manage it. My wife there, I can't manage it. <laughs> I'm still trying to manage. And don't take it wrong. I'm not saying it in a bad sense. I'm just using a certain word. You cover this lie versus this lie. You cover this thing. Hey! You become selective. Tell somebody selective. selective. I don't waste my time on unnecessary things. Because of my spiritual life. I sacrifice anything for it. I'm willing to lose friends because of my spiritual life. I'm telling you. Listen, hear this before I close. If you realize that anything is going wrong with your spiritual life, fix it quickly. Because the more it tarries, the strength and energy you will need to resurrect it again is too difficult. Yes. I'm speaking my experience. Last two years, I went on 40 days, so 40 days fast. Water and coconut, 40 days. When I came back, I said I just need one week. One week to just refresh myself and go back. Seven days. Beshe move you No, I move away. Action. Because me person me me so one week. So that's what I was doing. One week. See, when I finished that one week, it took me two months to recover. I wanted to pray that things not going. Hey! take my mouth to read. I'm dozing. My desire for the word of God went off. And I know myself. When something is wrong, I know. Me 
Every Sunday, I was preaching in the church, and I no man any good me Bible so. Now I no man any good Bible so I was awful. Hey. <laughs> oh, you don't know this. I never dream. I was driving. By the time I was going to open the car door, all the four ties were not there. Hey! And that time I put on a headphone. By the time I went out and came, headphone is from me too. But two things now, Emma sound, you know, you're TTF you And I can wire. Oh, you. <laughs> It took me two months. I I had to go back on the fast. That's why I said some of you we have finished 40 days, but to you, in your dealings with God, it's not over. You still be doing six to two, you still be doing six to four, you still be doing six to six intermittently, you still be doing it because God is not through with you then. Huh? We do everything to protect our spiritual life. It's like an egg, it can easily crack. And Satan is just looking for a loophole. Have you realized the day David was supposed to be in battle, he decided that he wants to enjoy. The Bible says it was the days where kings went for war. He didn't go. He was on the rooftop checking things. He was on Baby Gwari. And he saw only the top. Naked! What's going on here? He was going for a walk. The king was going for a walk. He says, This is a beautiful sight to behold. He called, God, come here. See that damsel there? Bring him. And the, and the man said, That is the wife of Uriah. <laughs> Foolish boy. In the days where kings were going for war, you see, let me tell you. Every single day of our life as Christians, we are fighting a war. The day you choose to relax, the day you choose to relax and you forget yourself that you're on a battlefield and we are fighting three enemies, the flesh, the world, and the devil, Satan. If you forget yourself, listen, even if you are relaxing, have your gun, have your armor on. When we are even sleeping, soldiers sleep with their uniform. Every Christian must go to work with the uniform. He must leave his marriage with his uniform. You must stay home with your uniform. Everything must come with your consciousness of a war. I'm telling you. Satan came to Jesus. You are no match for him. And when Jesus overcame, overcame, the Bible says he went for a season. That means he came back. Please, don't lose God. If you have lost your fire, every Friday we meet here for all night. Come and kick, pick up the fire again for prayer meetings. Look for another believer you think can help you. Call on phone. Pray together every 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Do that for two weeks. After that, they can leave you. Then you move on. Listen, you will need help. Hey! So don't leave your Christian life alone. We are supposed to be charges. Some some believers have now become charges. When you stay around them, you will charge. Tell somebody, look for a charger around and plug yourself. Ask the person, are you a charger? <laughs> or you are what? <laughs> you are what? Give me an idea. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 
I am called. We are cable. Look for a charge a charger. Connect yourself. Or power bank. Yeah. Charge yourself. I'm gonna give you five minutes. You want to pray like never before. Listen to me. Why have you realized that there's a strong emphasis on building spirituality? Because listen, we are entering a time when if you have not built your spirituality, you will compromise. I'm telling you, you make so many mistakes. That's why God keeps emphasizing on building a solid, firm, strong, gigantic spiritual life. You want to pray for five minutes and Lord, empower me once again. Heal me of my dryness. Lift your voice and begin to pray. <laughs>